So when you talk about making waves, you can't be in a conversation with Al Dillon without making big waves. So Al, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thank you, my friend. As you mentioned, we go back a lot of years and who would have thought, yeah. you know, 25 years later, we've yeah. been sitting here doing a podcast around a trade show like this and uh, and a great, it's so good to be back with, you know, all the people here. So I want to start by thanking Genoa for the opportunity. Also the idea that you can bring the community together and just expose it a little bit more, which is what's always lacked in the defense community. We don't talk about what we do very well. Mm-hmm outside of our own little shells. And a lot of that's got to do with the culture, right? It's about national security items right. and priorities. So thanks for the opportunity. So my background, you know, I was a, I was an army officer. I started as an NCO and went into the army officer thing. And I, I always had a penchant for technology, right? So I created my own uh, IT company while I was in the military, uh, ISP. That ended up, as I left the military, expanding in Newfoundland out of, uh, out of uh, St. John's, Newfoundland. Had a little white box company and had a little ISP, and that ended up getting purchased by Newtel. And that and then I got into what was called X-Wave. We created, I was one of the founding executive, executive of X-Wave. And after a few years, I kind of missed the defense game. And uh, in 2004, we started a new defense business unit, and lo and behold, the first deal I do that really mattered was the Maritime Helicopter Project. It's an uh, integrated information environment on board the ship, or on board the aircraft, as well as on board ship and shore-based solutions. So, and then that expanded. We bought a couple of companies, and we ended up working with the Navy um, you know, uh, in the Halifax upgrade, uh, as well as uh, Lockheed Martin on the old Lytton systems uh, that were in the Trump class and all this good stuff. So all to say, it's, I've been in the information operations game since the day I really started in the military because I cared about the intelligence and the importance of that information. Uh, and now, probably more than ever, I think even societally, we understand the importance of that. We're starting to gain an appreciation of how, how important our personal data is. Well, that very same you know, challenge within the military exists. What's happening with our platforms? What's happening with our people? Where are we situated within the world? And how are we going to deal with that in the context of an actual active adversary that has you know, other ideas about our presence? and and our strategic agenda as a country. So information's become, as you see now, land, sea, air, and cyber. Um, you know, cyber is its own domain at this point. Um, and frankly, uh, information comes from every sensor, every person, every platform, space, or, you know, right down to subsea floor. So, uh, so it's quite a challenge. There's a lot of complexities in there. So I fortunately run, I'm CEO of a cybersecurity company, um, that cyber defense company that has a bunch of elite people in it uh, that come from the NSA, CIA, CSIS, CSC, DND, uh, and we built this sovereign capability in Canada over the last few years to expressly deal with the securing of this information and the information operations platforms around us. So that's exactly what we do, uh, and we are doing amazing things with Canada's Army uh, presently right now on uh, deployed uh, operations as well as back here at home. So, you know, great successes in short timelines, huge opportunity for all of us that are here on the floor. And all of us, as I said, have some role to play in that. So I think bringing us together is the first thing on that. Where do we fit? How, do this, how does the information get handled as we go forward? So that's the, uh, hopefully that gives you a bit of context on where I come from and yeah. what I'm thinking Well, it's funny, you know, I was a customer of X-Wave years ago on the website design side and then just it's interesting though you you're way ahead of your time and now it's here this cybersecurity is important 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Al, you look around the room here, right? There's companies that are uh, doing a lot of different things, as you mentioned, right? Everything from subsea exploration and, and defense on the ocean floor, right through the, uh, you know, in the satellite communications. Everything exists within this trade show. But there's one key theme in all of it, and that's data. There's a lot of data swimming around. You know, what keeps you up at night when I say all of those people are focused on or are dealing in data? Yeah, so, so that's a major issue culturally, yeah. right? Yeah. If you just look at the papers in the last week and you look at Facebook, you know, right. and what it's done. So if you take that culture of we don't really protect our own personal data, nor do we understand how to do it, right, mm -hmm. on the street. So we haven't, like if I take it back in the automotive industry when they first built the cars 130 years ago, and as they advanced the use of the automobile in society became more you know, utilitarian, if you will, and more mandatory in our society to get things done, we built roads and standards and safety standards on the vehicles and, and right. then we started painting crosswalks and then splitting the line, right? And then yeah. next thing you know, we got street lights and we have all of that. In, in the internet, in the 25, 30 years of its existence from a public perspective, right? We haven't had the time, right. nor we understand the standards and all of the different facets that are required to build that same crosswalk and the same structure around it and the policing systems and the other things that actually make sure that it's safe, right? So when you take that into the context of the opportunity within defense, one, it's about the people and the awareness so that we don't innovate without cause. We need to use those standards and we need to bolster our standards beyond the traditional exchanges of information and the standards that exist today for data and data residency within a platform like a ship uh, and and how that ship communicates with the shore-based systems, the satellite systems, everything. So everything in between all needs to be managed. That domain has developed so quickly right. in the last, so you think about it, 2008 we come up with a smartphone. Right. And here we are now on version 13 of the smartphone, yeah. right, of the, of the iPhone, right. that follows you around in the pocket, and who calls the shots right. on the moral or the business or the privacy basis of how that phone tracks me, what it's doing, et cetera. Yeah. Government hasn't been able to catch up with that. No. So imagine for Department of National Defense, when you, when you first started buying a platform and it takes 25 years to get through an entire life cycle to get the first ship out on the yeah, ground, that's right? right yeah. Can you imagine applying a cycle of change that within 13 years you went from the first version of the smartphone? So halfway through the procurement process, I'm now at most advanced systems that can track anybody around the world in their back pocket. Yeah if there were moral values yeah. or, or corrupt values, et cetera. So if you're an adversary and you look at the information that way and you haven't got those standards nor even the culture within right. you know, the society, yeah. how easy is it for you to penetrate at least somewhere in the supply chain of the defense supply chain, et cetera, to steal that IP? The truth is the adversaries figured that out before we actually thought you know, the Cold War and you know, was over. Yeah, they were working on it long before, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they were already there. So yeah. they're they're in our back pockets already. Yeah. And they've they've taken it's funny that, you know, you know, recent versions of the uh, aircraft that appear in certain parts of the world happen to look like an F thirty five, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Well why is that? Yeah. Right? And because they got got their hands on the plants. When we think about ships, right, and right into this city in particular, right, Halifax and shipbuilding and my, my dialogues with the Type 26 guys that came over from BAE and you know Irving yeah. and the others as we go forward, there's a massive design challenge 
around the engineering of the information that sits on that floating city, right? Yeah. That city needs the same regulation and structure I talked about. Whether it exists or not in society, or whether there's a standard that we can point to or not, is irrelevant. There are baseline standards that we can use. We need to rise to the challenge collectively of the different integrated ISR systems and everything that sit on those platforms. And we need to design a capability that's purpose-built if it has to be. Right. Leveraging the commercially available systems in an open architecture that will flow with the modules that will come on and off that ship in its 50-year-plus right. you know, existence, yeah. right? So you can't, you could never figure that out right now in advance and have it right for 2033 or right. 2032 yeah. when the first ship loads, right? Yeah. So all yeah. that's got to be done. So the opportunities are in the standards yep. base, they're in the actual technology, it's in the people build. Right. The talent build, right, of this. And so so if we built like ideas like an incubator, you know, like a a, a, a shore based version of the ship and its controllers and its command and control systems, etc. A digital twin. Exactly. Yeah. And we applied the latest and greatest of technologies in there that enable the, you know, all the things that make it being human fun on a ship, because you know, nowadays it's very important to the Admiral, for That's example, right. you know, to do that kind of stuff. Uh, to keep it fun, you know, you come off the street. It's one thing to get jump into the military and end up, you know, as a as a CSE or in, or or in the bowels of a ship, right? You know, doing yeah. the, doing the job. Yeah. It's another thing to understand, you know, how you can do that. Still have touch with home. All those things that are yeah. important to our sailors and soldiers. These days, I just right? want to interrupt for a second. You mentioned adversaries, and and, and we were made aware of of a so-called adversary. We don't need to mention who or what country, but they have 500,000 people in their cyber warfare um, complement. 500,000 out. Yeah. Like, does that keep you up at night, knowing that there's a so-called adversary to Canada that has that many people working on trying to get through the digital channels? So, Jerry, let me let me answer that first, and you, you, yeah. you of all people appreciate this more yeah. than I I joined the military because I needed a job as a kid, but I was a son of a military guy. Right. And the year after I joined the military, it wasn't about him or my history or anything else. It was about my contribution to the safety of this country, right? So it's actually, when I say this, why do I care? And is it a is disturbing trend that's going on in the world? And the fact that even if you look in this country right now, there's a lack of strategic forethought. Mm -hmm. around the national security agenda. The fact that we aren't in the East Pac Rim discussions. The fact that we don't even have a policy as a government in that regard. The fact that we don't have engagement in, you know, even when we're invited in some NATO and some Five Eyes community discussions around information ops and security, et cetera. These are big issues. That recent announcement around you know the the sub the, the the sub arrangement with the United States and the collaborations. I'm really conscious of the fact that as we as a country go forward, we need to get in the strategic game mm -hmm. of this. There's yeah. a, when I look around the floor, there are many companies here that get or, or leaders. Yeah. I'll say that as individuals yeah. that care in the same way I do. So yeah. does it does it keep me awake? It's what I do for a living. Yeah. Right. I guarantee you. I know the adversarial threats I've investigated over the last ten years. Every major threat that is going against our country. We've written reports, both classified and unclassified. We utilize these and we're developing platforms now for Canada that are actually in use in Canada to start the progress towards the painting of the lines, the crosswalks, and the societal structure, the community engagement mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that needs to rise up a little bit more and embed cyber 
or information operations assurance risk management, because that's really what we're talking about here, it's a risk management play, that, that gets into the technical game and we think it's all Star Wars stuff and all that. It's not. Right. This is the same policies and structures we put into building a car right. and going through its safety standards and, and all of those other societal or environmental factors that we need to consider to drive safe on a road. People still die every day. Yeah. But but we accept it as a society. Yeah. Yeah. Cyber is going to be the same way. It's a great so. way to describe it, Al. It's a great. It's a great way to kind of make people understand it. That that's where we are. We need to structure this in the same pattern as when the automobile hit. Where are these people coming from? Like, where are these people going to come from to work in this new emerging domain? Yeah. So you, know? you may know. You may remember in my past here in the last five years, I stepped out of industry for a couple of years to build what's called Cyber NB. Right. Fantastic. And Cyber NB is a collaboration of government, industry, and academia to prove the societal structures I was talking about can be done and you can innovate and you can make an economic prosperity agenda around that innovation mm -hmm. by going into your K-12 system and taking the IT learning objectives and applying a security agenda on the IT learning objectives from say grade six plus, right? And before that we actually put like Arduino boards and some codeless middle software and all that stuff that you can just touch and grab and, and you know use a smartphone right. for a young kid using voice. And they don't need to understand the guts of it. In fact, the people that we need to do what I'm talking about exist in all walks of life. You need lawyers to understand right. international law and cyber. You need, you need project managers that understand the application of this type of information security. Yeah. You need the technical experts to build the systems and integrate and do all that as well. Yeah. You need engineers that actually don't go through their process of building a bridge without actually having a security agenda around right. that bridge, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. We just need to build it into society. So where do they come from? We need to think about digital assurance and digital security in every aspect of what we have in our universities, our, our post-secondary institutions, and in what we did in the K-12 system in New Brunswick, which by the way, I'm very proud of, like, you know, kudos to my friends, and I make a shout out to Brian and, uh, and to uh, John Kershaw and the former Deputy Minister of Education there and others that I employed to help me because it's a very complex issue to get it into an existing system. But they did it, and we ended up with every school in New Brunswick with curriculum in cybersecurity, a few centers of excellence, and now we had over 40 teams competing in the international competition out of New Brunswick. We had zero teams when we started. Yeah. And of the of, of the, all the teams prior, there were only eight teams in Canada competing in the international competition with the United States and others, and now there's 40 teams in New Brunswick alone. And so I'm mentoring high school Jeez. students, I'm mentoring, yeah. and, and we built, I gave three scholarships this year, myself out of my own company, personally to individuals to go to different universities that didn't have to be in New Brunswick. I wanted them to stay in New Brunswick, but some wanted to go to Queens, another guy to Waterloo, and for good reason, there is ex expertise. So I enabled that by giving them a scholarship yeah. to help them, and then I'm actually investing in the research that that individual wants to focus on, which is like AI-based ethics, application of AI and security, yeah, because they want to work in security domain. So, I think we have to contribute to it as right. leaders in the industry. We need to incubate that society. What I'm saying is, that is a collaboration of industry, government, and academic leaders to come together to do it. It's the yeah. only way to get this yeah. right. I think. It's the only way to get it right, Alan. And I think, you know, my takeaway from the conversation with you here today is that 
culturally we've got to get synced into this that this matters and we've got to understand because you're right we carelessly and I say carelessly uh, maybe that's not the right term but we walk around with a device in our pocket and it's flowing information out all the time yeah. and we're not sure where that information is going yeah. and you know what we seem to be content with it we seem yeah. to be content as yeah. a group to allow that to happen yeah the idea that we can just download an app for free I want everybody, all your listeners to understand, nothing is free. Right. Your data is actually more valuable to you than that app, right? right. Your personal data. And we need to stop and check yeah. about the morals and values of what's going on. And I think that's what we're seeing with Facebook right now. We'll see it come with Twitter and other aspects as well. Look at the effects of Snapchat on yeah. young women and yeah. all this type of stuff and, yeah. and the society in general. I think we're at a turning point as well where our tolerance of just innovation without cause from an information and following people around like to think about it if if I'm an adversary and and or just a a immoral character who wants to influence like a politic you know a a, an election or just you know adoption of a product or something of that nature which is what advertising is all about let's face it um, I can follow a kid around right now as soon as they get a smartphone and I can start feeding them information and influencing them. There are no regulatory frameworks whatsoever right. to manage that. I think that's going to change. I think we're seeing the incubation of that. Even this right. week, it's ironic that yeah. it happens to be this week. But, yeah. you know, there's some there's some significant challenges we got to get over. But I, I'm seeing the light. And I can tell you that, that the cyber agenda, just in the show over the last couple of days, has become tenfold important right. than what it was two years ago even yeah. in the show Amazing, when yeah. we were back together. Yeah, you're a big part of that, Al, right? You're a big part of bringing that to the forefront. I know that, you know, there's one university presenting here and they're presenting as their cyber footprint. Cyber NB is over there. And I know that you are a big driver behind all of that and driving what's happening in this industry. I think you're going to lead that cultural change, Alan. Certainly, you've got the industry a buzz talking about it. It's an important piece of the equation. Jerry, your thoughts? Well, I just want to say, you know, uh, it, this this entire experience for us as Gale Force Winds making waves has been incredible. It's a lot of passionate people. Yeah. This, this is a heavy topic, what yeah, we're talking is, about. Yeah. But I can tell you, as a young person, when I went away with this guy in the Navy, I fell in love with this country, and uh, what you're doing is important. The companies here are helping protect this country, this incredible country we were lucky enough to be born in. And I got to say thanks for thank, what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks, the, guys. well, another great edition of Making Waves, and uh, great to be here with my buddy Al Dillon. You know, in the Navy, you always remember your first commanding officer, and in industry. You always remember the first guy that gave you a job, and that was this guy right here. That's true. Thanks, Al. (laughs) Thank you, my brother. Cheers, mate. Yeah, thank you.